Hello and welcome to Hamsa Holistic Healing and Ayurveda Podcast. I'm your host, Sherry, and it is my deepest desire to journey with you down the path to better health, mind, body, and spirit through the practice of mindfulness and spiritual awakening. Here in this sacred space, we will examine how the practice of higher consciousness and self-awareness can actually lead us to an optimal state of physical and spiritual health. We will talk about the various ways to increase our awareness and support one another along this beautiful journey. Thank you for being here and welcome. This episode is sponsored by the International Institute of Ayurveda. IIA is based in Northern California and Tuscany, Italy, offering both Ayurvedic education and clinical Ayurveda. For those interested in pursuing a career in Ayurveda, the Certified Ayurvedic Practitioner course begins in January 2022. This 1,500-hour, two-year intensive training is capped at 10 students to ensure that our future practitioners are given individualized mentorship and guidance by some of Ayurveda's top professionals today. For inquiries regarding either the school or the clinic, please email reception at iiayurveda.com. That's reception at iiayurveda.com. Hello and welcome to Hamsa Holistic Healing and Ayurveda podcast, the episode number 17, the relationship between health and fear. Today, I am happy to welcome Mr. Joe Rich and Ayurvedic Dr. Victor Briere. Joe is a co-founder of the International Institute of Ayurveda. He has been a practitioner and teacher of Kundalini Yoga as taught by Yogi Bhajan since 1998. Joe is a Kundalini Research Institute certified teacher, as well as possessing a degree in healthcare management. He has a background in counseling emotionally disturbed inner city teens, and he's been involved in running group homes for at-risk youth, and also has worked as an epidemiologist for the CDC. Victor Briere is a Ayurvedic doctor and is co-founder of the International Institute of Ayurveda, where he serves as a Nama-recognized Ayurvedic doctor and Kundalini yoga teacher. Victor is a gifted pulse reader, specializing in Ayurvedic diagnostic techniques and health counseling. He is the author of Pulse Unveiled, and he is the primary clinician and the chief academic officer of the academy. Hello, my friends. It's good to see you again. Hello. Hello. Good to see you too. Yeah. Yes. It's always a pleasure to, to chat about these topics. Um, so I kind of wanted to start the podcast about the relationship between health and fear. I personally call fear the F word. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't thought about that actually. That's yeah, funny. I do. Cause yeah, I really, I that's how I feel about it. Um, so let's start at the very beginning, because when, when you talk about fear, it's kind of broad. And so the uh, listeners might be thinking about fear, like it typically is that you're afraid of the dark, or you're afraid of bridges or roller coasters. And yes, that is fear. 
But um, let's speak to the kind of fear that lives maybe deep inside of us that may um, live undetected, but yet have so much control over our every move and decision and ultimately then our health. Yes, that kind of fear is the kind of fear that we want to focus on because, you know, it's easy. I'm afraid of spiders, right? So if I'm walking around, I'm not thinking about it. But if I walk into a room and there's a big, ugly spider staring me down, all of a sudden I feel that feeling, right? You know, my my whole autonomic nervous system shifts. I get defensive in some way. I feel threatened and I have a physiological reaction that's very visceral. So that's obviously fear. Mm. But what happens is that creates a memory, so to speak, inside. And my body remembers that even after I've consciously moved on with my day or, you know, my awareness has moved on and I'm just going on, you know, an hour later after the event's over, I'm not thinking about the spider anymore. But my fear of spiders is still intact, living inside my nervous system, ready for the next time I witness anything that has any semblance of spiderness. My nervous system is going to trigger a defensive threatened response. Right. So we have a lot of those fears, all of us. It's mm -hmm. natural to have those fears. And they live inside our nervous system and they quote unquote get triggered when we when our senses pick up similar qualities in the environment that remind us of the thing that we consider threatening. Okay. So spiders is easy. The dark is easy. Roller coaster is easy, right? Yeah. But then we get into the real fear, you know, the real ones, like I'm afraid of anger or mm. I'm afraid I'm going to run out of money or I'm afraid, I'm afraid, I'm afraid, I'm afraid of all these things. And all those fears have roots and those roots are in our past. Mm. But we're not always every second of the day thinking about them. Right. And, and when we're talking about those experiences, like being afraid of running out of money or, or something like that, but when we go deeper and we're talking about when something traumatic happens to us, like we start to go back further maybe when, when we're getting more into the childhood situation and those fears buried deep. And remain unresolved. Right. Yeah. So. But we can't just skip over that word trauma. Mm. It's important how we view what is trauma. Because is trauma the event or is trauma the outcome of the event? Gabor Mate says, it's not the event that causes the trauma, but your detachment from the authentic self because of the event. And then you would, so now when you're discussing fear, fear is a coping mechanism. I'm afraid of the spider. The spider represents, like Victor was just saying, some, there's an attachment to an event, a reminder mm -hmm. of an event that we call trauma, but what was that trauma? Well, the event caused us to separate from our authentic self. So what does the spider really represent? A separation from the authentic self. And that's what's causing the problem in us hmm. is because now we're attached to the personality, the personality being nothing more than a set of coping mechanisms 
to survive in the world. That's all we have generated what we call a personality in order to cope with our environment. That's not our true self. And so now the spider becomes a representation of us being attached to the belief that we are our personality and not the belief that we are our authentic self. That's who we really are. So now we're acting out in our coping mechanisms rather than living true to our authentic self. That's why the spider is important. Right, because if you have all of the, if you have trauma and then you have, um, you're living your life, you're constantly being triggered. And then that fear keeps resurfacing in some way and you, you, you feel it, you almost become, because there's so many layers that are built around that fear or that trauma, right? So it gets shoved down, the layers build on top of it. You learn how to cope in your life in other ways. But then when you're triggered, that fear comes again, that, that feeling. And pretty soon it might be hard to recognize and you, be, you begin to live in a state of hypervigilance or, or kind of undetected oh. fear all the time. And that's got to be really bad for your, for your body. You, you now become, you re-traumatize yourself constantly. Mm. Yeah. You, you are the one bringing the trauma to you. And then you choose in that moment to separate from your authentic self. So you re-traumatize yourself over and over and over. Mm. throughout the rest of your life if you don't get it resolved for the rest of your life so it may have happened to you as a six-year-old but now it's not happening to you anymore you're happening to you you're the one right. now doing it so it's all subconscious or unconscious right i mean those responses yeah. are just they become part of you act actually and you get further and further away from your authentic self and you become, I guess, a personality, right? Mm -hmm. And what you bring out into the world as a coping Mm -hmm. mechanism or however you you say, and then you say, I am afraid of spiders. Mm. I am is the problem, not the spider. Right. So now you're identifying with that false person that you've created. The the persona, the persona. The, yes. the defense you've created, you identify with the defense. Yep. Right. And you lose right. the real, the real you is gone. the real expression of the self. Right. Yeah. That is beyond the defense mechanism that you created to cope. Right. So the, the pro we all need defense defense mechanisms to cope at times, because sometimes there are real threats. Right. And when there's a real threat, you want to protect yourself. However, yeah. that's very you know, depending on the person's life, but let's take just, for example, let's take someone just living a relatively middle-class life in the United States. Um, A lot of the threats that they protected themselves against, maybe when there was trauma, maybe when they were a child, Mm -hmm. when there was an event that represented trauma, they repeat the traumatic defense response when there's no real threat. Okay. But they're acting as though there is a threat. Right. So like. Like an example. An example, right? <laughs> Let's say that 
when I was seven years old, my father raged at me and yelled and screamed and it was very, it, and threw things. Mm. So to protect myself, I ran into my room and hid under my bed mm. out of fear. Okay. Well, maybe that actually did protect my, my body in that moment. Right. Okay. But now flash forward 25 years later, mm. I'm walking, I'm, I walk into my office and I see my boss, an authority figure yelling at another employee. All of a sudden I get extremely filled with fear and I go into the bathroom and lock myself in a stall to calm down. That's kind of, you're under the bed again. Exactly. Right. Right. Yeah. So, but, but there was no, the, the threat that I experienced when I was seven years old with my father throwing things around the room is, was not present, but I responded in exactly the same way. Right. So I've now re I've now created a series of events based on a worldview or a perception of the world that isn't fully representative of what's actually going on. Right. Right. Hmm. It it could get so in Victor's example, it could get so bad that I walk into my office and I, I don't even hear it yet but I see the boss talking to someone and it looks like they're in conflict and I fear confrontation and conflict so much. I run to the bathroom only to find out that they're talking about last night's basketball game. And, you know, they had a differing of opinion as to what should have happened on the last play of the game. They were having a great conversation. They're enjoying each other's company talking about basketball, but it's an, they were into it, you know? So there's a little bit of intensity there. Right. I read the look on my boss's face as he's intense, uh-oh, conflict and confrontation, run for the bathroom and get in the stall. Right. right. And they were talking about some basketball game. Sure. And, and enjoying each other's male company. Right. 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 It can get that sense of and 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 that and, inaccurate. It's so inaccurate. Right. Well, right. Yeah. And we're and we're doing that all the time. Or or even this. So I get this feeling inside my body. Right. But now um, let's say uh, this is my normal life. Now I've been living in this moment. So I get this feeling inside my body that has some semblance of discomfort. Maybe it's not full on terror. Right. And so my mind now I've trained my mind over the years to say, well, you know, yeah, maybe I do need to go to the bathroom because, you know, in an hour I have this meeting and I should go to the bathroom now so that I don't have to go to the bathroom during the meeting. So now I've created a story, a mental story that gives me a rationalization to act on this discomfort inside. So if I were to go up to that guy, just as an observer, let's say I'm his office mate and say, Hey, Rick, why'd you just kind of like hurry off to the bathroom? You look really uncomfortable. What's wrong, right? Is there something I can talk to you about, help you with? Rick might say, Oh, no. I no, just to go I, I just, you know, I want to, I got this important meeting, you know, so I got some nerves around the meeting and I want to make sure I, I went to the bathroom before. Okay. But Rick actually believes that. Sure. At this point. Yeah. Right. Okay. So that's the, I mean, these are all the layers you were talking about. Mm-hmm. It could be, you could, we could be conscious of our issue. It could be completely subconscious. There are all these ways it can manifest, but that, but Rick's lying to himself. 
Right. Rick isn't going to the bathroom because of a meeting. He doesn't have nerves because of the meeting. He's uncomfortable because he's remembering that there might be a threat in the environment from when he was seven years old. That reminds him of when he was seven years old. So Rick's version of reality is completely off. Yeah. Yeah. But Rick's not going to admit that. Right. Does, does, um, does the person even know that their, that their reality is skewed or skewed in any way? Do they, do they even realize, do they really believe that they should go to the bathroom just in case before? I mean, do they start to believe it too? Yes. Often. Yes. Yeah. But that's not, that doesn't, it doesn't have to be that way. Right. But, but yeah. then that might keep them from seeking the, the help that they need to work through the layers if they don't even realize that the, the defenses that they put in, the stories that they tell themselves become so real and so okay to them that they get further and further away from their authentic self. And I don't, do they even know? No. Right. I don't know. They don't know. Until, until like, for example, let's say I go up and say, Rick, you know, let's say I watch that whole happen and I, I'm Rick's friend. Let's say I'm Rick's friend. And I say, all right, I know something's going on. And hopefully knock on wood, we all have people in our life who are willing to do that to some degree, even if it's imperfectly, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Because they've got their own challenges. So they may not do it perfectly. Right. But so Rick comes back from the bathroom and I say, okay, Rick, I, look, I've known you for a long time. I know that this isn't about the meeting. You, you do great in meetings all the time. Like you don't care, you know, what's really going on. Rick now has an opportunity to at least, even if he doesn't know exactly what's going on, he has an opportunity to say, yeah, that's weird. And now the exploration can begin. But what happens more often than not is Rick will become defensive. Yeah. Why are you pushing on me? It's not a big deal. Leave me alone. I got work to do. Right. That's an aggressive defense or you do it too. Yeah. You do it too. That's a, that's a deflection (laughs) or you're not perfect. You're not perfect either. Or, you know, avoid eye contact. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Well, let's talk later. I got work to do right now. That's an avoidance, a flight. That's a big one. Yeah. Yeah, sure. So depending on that person and their nature and all the facets that go into all this, they're going to engage a different defense mechanism. Mm, interesting. And we, and we all do it. And I keep saying that on purpose because it's not, it's, it's part of your autonomic nervous system. It will happen automatically. It's, it's part, it's built into our nervous system to do these things. The question then becomes, are we willing to explore our autonomic nervous system and become more conscious about its patterns? so that we can attempt to override some of them and return to our authentic self. Right. So let's talk, talk about the autonomic nervous system. Let's, let's talk about what, what that is. The autonomic nervous system is the nervous system that every mammal has. We'll just use mammals for now. So it's not just humans, it's mammals. So our dog friends, our cat friends, our cow friends, our all that stuff, all of them, pig friends, the animals we tend to eat friends. Um, they all have an autonomic nervous system. So 
So this is a nervous system that's distinct from the central nervous system, although obviously it communicates with it all the time. That runs a lot of our functions in our body completely automatically. Heart rate, breath rate, um, digestive patterns, uh, you know, sweating, dilation of the eyes, pitch of the voice, things like that. All mm -hmm. that stuff gets regulated automatically. And the list is very, very, very long. Okay. So thank God we have it because if we didn't, we wouldn't be here. We need it. Yeah. It has a very special function. It's constantly, its primary goal is to keep us surviving and healthy and thriving. That's what it's there to do in the background and so on and so forth. So that's its kind of like primary what it's built to do. So one thing it does is it's always scanning the environment to determine whether the environment's threatening or safe constantly. Okay. So a lot of the inputs you get, you know, like I'm looking at you right now and I see certain colors, I see you wearing glasses, all that stuff. I'm noticing all these things, right. but I'm actually taking in all this sense perception from everything going in around me. And only some of it makes it to my present moment awareness. A lot of it is being picked up by my autonomic nervous system. So like right now, if someone were to knock very loudly on the door behind me in a very aggressive way, right. that would immediately take priority because my autonomic nervous system says, Hey, pay attention to this. Right. So it will force my attention over to behind me, the door behind me. Mm -hmm. And I'll look. I'll engage my entire physiology over towards that to determine what's going on. That's automatic. Right. It's going to happen. Yep. So the autonomic nervous system's doing all that. And it has this huge pull on where we move our attention and our senses and what we pick up in the environment and what, and how we assess the environment. Okay. So that's very powerful. Yeah. And it remembers, it has memory. Mm. So, and remember it's sensitive to our survival. So if anything at any time in our life was built in to be remembered as a big threat, the autonomic nervous system remembers that. And anytime anything similar to that threat pops up in our environment, you can be sure our attention is going to go to it big time. Right. Right. Then we will start automatically engaging in fight, flight, or freeze, or some version of it mm -hmm. until we've escaped the threat. Okay. That's going to happen automatically unless it's overridden. So if a, a person is enters a room and say there's 20 people in the room and they're scanning the room are they, so they're scanning it and processing it based on their, I, I mean, I don't want to keep bringing trauma into it, but are you always scanning the room from the place where you may have experienced trauma as a, as a little child? Is that always your reality? Is that always the point of where you're bringing stuff in and trying to figure out, is this safe? Is this not safe? 
automatically and unconsciously? Yes and no. Yes, because your autonomic nervous system is always actively aware of what's going on in the environment. It's getting information from your sense perceptions. Right. So whatever you're perceiving, the autonomic nervous system is getting information. Mm. That does not always mean that you have to process that information from a place of trauma and that's going to dictate your reality. That's what we don't want to do essentially. Right. Right. right? Yeah. That's the opposite of what we want to do. But in, in mul multiple layers of this can happen. You can be aware of threats and aware of safety cues simultaneously. Sure. It's not just that one is completely dominant and the other is non-existent. Right. Right. You're reading all of it and creating a holistic sense mm -hmm. inside yourself. And that gets expressed to you as a feeling. Right. A bodily feeling. Right. Am I safe? Am I not? Yep. And, and whether you get that sense in any given room is going to be based upon not only the memories of your autonomic nervous system, but what you've done to cultivate your autonomic nervous system. Because you can have a direct influence on your autonomic nervous system too. Okay. Okay. Right. In what way? So, well, I can do, there are exercises that I can do. Mm -hmm. There are worldviews I can take on, how much introspection I've done, what I focus on in any given conversation or room or whatever. All mm -hmm. those things I've trained myself to do, all of an influence on how my autonomic nervous system senses right. the world. Yeah. Right. And so when we, when we talk about how the, how fear, when you have a fear, a fearful response or fear-based response to something, how that gets buried in deep inside of the, of the body, I guess it would be in the subtle body, right? I mean, is that where we would put those, those experiences and in the psyche too? Yeah, you definitely are suppressing these things into the body, which is going to later lead to disease. And mm -hmm. that's where your Ayurvedic doctor is going to have to solve himself or herself with you. Mm -hmm. But there's some important things there we, we don't want to just skip over, is that when you walk into the room, let's say you feel fear for whatever reason. I don't, you know, there are a million reasons, so we can't get into all that. But let's say your reaction is fear. Like Victor just said, you feel that. You could catch yourself and go, take a note. When I walked into this room, I felt fear. Tomorrow, I'm going to sit down with myself or with someone else and investigate why. Yeah. I, I can't do it now. I got to do the room. Right. Alone tomorrow or with a trusted friend or advisor or therapist, whatever. I'm going to sit down and go, why did why was my response to walking to that room a feeling of fear? Because so some awareness, was, you, you, yes. you, have, you bring some awareness to it instead of just covering it up and pushing right. it away. You start right. to become a little curious and curious. aware that you're having. There you yeah. go. Yeah. Curiosity. Yeah. Curiosity. Yeah. You must have curiosity to your own self because there was not, not necessarily anything threatening about yeah. that room. And yet I reacted as though there was, yes. I need to have some curiosity, not judgment, 
not self-criticism, not right. <laughs> curiosity is a great word. I yeah. need to be curious as to what was causing me to react in that way when there wasn't a real threat present. Yeah. And a lot of, I, I have people, specific people in my mind right now, and I talk about this and they really don't want to be curious. They really don't want to know. And they really want to just avoid going out or driving or whatever it is that's causing them the angst. I'm just not going to do it. How about right. that? Right. Which is Most your world people. becomes smaller and smaller and smaller, right? Yeah. I call that the cage of the parasympathetic nervous system. The desire oh, to be so feeling safe. Yeah on overdrive mm -hmm. that you create a world where you're safe, but you will not step out of it. And that is a very dangerous, the, the it's a, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. The smaller you make your world. And even if it's super safe in that little bubble, the more dangerous your world actually becomes. Yeah, definitely. Well, Esther Perel says when you trade off the adventure, when you trade off risk, taking risk, for too much safety, like Victor was just saying, now everybody needs some safety and predictability in their life. Can sure. we say that? Does everybody hear that? Everybody needs some level of safety and predictability in their life. Absolutely. But when it reaches the point where you no longer can go on the internal or external adventure, when you aren't willing to risk anything. Brene Brown would start talking to you about you're not willing to be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. When right. those things are put in place, like Victor was just referring to, and that skin gets so small, you have given up on the erotic part of life and not just sexual eroticism, but yep. eroticism. And eroticism is the belief that I am connected to the divine. And the yes. divine can be within in Eastern religions and philosophies, and it can be external in the Western philosophies. I'm not discussing that. I'm just saying you've given up that particular important part of life. So like Victor just said, you're now heading down the wrong road and it's going to destroy relationships and possibilities. And you're not going to find your authentic self. And you're going to miss a whole lot of great opportunities that were sitting right there for you. And guess what you're going to say when you're 80? Mm. Life sucked and, you know, I'm a victim and <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Right. And, you know, you become a slave to avoiding these things. Absolutely. These situations. You, you literally spend most of your time planning and orchestrating how you can avoid that potential danger or, and, and pretty soon you're like running from life itself. You're just running all the time. You got it. Yeah. And look at our culture. <sighs> look at our culture. Yeah. And the, the real tragedy of that is that's the person's worldview. That's the, what they're, they're acting on perceptions of the world mm. of their own belief. Right. The majority of the time it's not true. Right. There, there was no threat present. There was no tiger in the bush. There was no, right. That's the tragedy of it. Yep. And, and so, but in their own, in their, in their own shrinking world, 
Mm-hmm. They're the only authority. Right. So there's no pushback. It's a great line, Victor. Nope. That was great. Yeah, definitely. But they, right. But their, their defense mechanism wants it that way. Yeah. yeah. And they need to fight their own defense mechanism. Mm. Yeah. So that, what does that mean in phys- physical terms? Yeah. Because, you know, people, we, we can all speak in metaphor, but sometimes people say, oh my God, I'm so tired of the metaphors, right? What does it mean? Yeah. What it means in physical terms is that your autonomic nervous system is producing a feeling and you need to actively resist following that feeling. Now that gets people in trouble. It's like, well, I felt this, I felt that. Shouldn't I just do what I feel? No, no. Not if it's well, keeping you a prisoner of your own life, right? <laughs> right. So right. standing right. fearless in the face of fear is kind of what there you're talking go. about, right? There you go. That's it. How do you, how do you do it when you're consumed by fear? Curiosity. You ask yourself, why am I consumed by fear right now? You know, not, not only is there no tiger in a bush, as Victor said, some of us are even suffering from the fact that there are no tigers left in the world. Mm-hmm. We, we live such a sterile life. Our culture has removed so much that we're actually missing out on the adventure and the excitement of the risk and the challenge, which causes us to mature and to grow and all those wonderful things Mm -hmm. because we've sterilized our environment to make sure there are no tigers. Exactly. And the tigers are necessary. They're a necessary part of life because it is what you just asked the question and what we were talking about before. I walk into the room. I feel fear. Mm. Don't judge. Just take a note and get back to it tomorrow when you have the ability. Why am I reacting with such fear why do i need so much safety the answer is childhood trauma right and now you need to do compassionate inquiry compassionate inquiry into why are those triggering mechanisms there and how do i begin to heal myself Mm -hmm. from that so that when i walk into the room I go, oh my God, Sherry's here. I am so happy. Not, I walk into the room and, oh my God, there's 25 people. I'm scared. I I need to go home. Right. Good point. And then I miss out on the fact that Sherry's there. She's my best friend. We're going to spend the evening together. We're going to have a glass of wine. We're going to talk about our kids and our life. And we're going to have so much fun. This is going to be a fun night. I'm so glad I came. I miss out on that completely because what Victor, your palms start sweating, your adrenal glands kick on, your eyes dilate. Yeah. And you become, you, it changes how you process and think of the world. So you become suspicious. Yeah. So you'll see threat where there is not threat. You become hypervigilant, right? Your senses become attuned to especially cues of danger, loud noises, low pitch noises, uh, things going on behind you. Um, all those things start happening physiologically. Yeah. And when you're, so when you, when people are living in a, in a place of fear and they are, they're making decisions based on fear or avoiding fear. How do you know when you're making decisions 
based on fear or not? Learning, I think one is one is learning the cues. So that would be a good step. It's like, okay, getting to know yourself, which would require curiosity. But I think most people still have a semblance of curiosity inside them. You know, you got to be pretty far down the road to have abandoned curiosity completely because we have the autonomic nervous system, but we also have the central nervous system. It's not like that goes away right. or anything like that. Right. So learning your own cues of when I'm afraid, what does it look like inside me? What does it feel like inside me so that you could identify, okay, I'm afraid right now. Because a lot of times that doesn't happen. We just act. We don't yes. have that moment of, okay, I don't know how I'm going to act, but I can acknowledge right now that I'm afraid. Right. That's one thing. Right. Men are especially terrible at saying that inside because they don't want to admit they're afraid. Right. Right. Because okay. it's seen as weakness. You're, you know, you're, sure. yeah. Sure. But w- whatever the case. Yeah. So that's one. Another thing is it's more often than we think that someone will approach us and give us an indication that we're in fear. It happens a lot. We just reject it a lot. Hmm. So, you know, even someone I've had many experiences in my life, even if someone I'm upset with or the person I'm afraid of or someone I don't like still kind of says, well, what's going on? You know, are you okay? Right. If you hear someone say that to you, that should be a cue that maybe I'm afraid. Yeah. Because they're seeing your facial expressions and your body language. Yeah. And you're not in that moment. You're not attuned to that. You're just doing it. Mm-hmm. And people are very good, very good at detecting when someone else is showing signs of feeling threatened because mm-hmm. their autonomic nervous system then says, should I feel threatened? <laughs> right. Is there a threat in the room? Yeah. I'm looking at you, looking at something I can't see, and you look horrified. Should I be horrified? Is there danger around that corner? Is there a tiger there? Right. Right. That kind of reminds me of when, when children watch their parents. Yes. Right? yes. So if, if a mother says, oh, my God, there's a spider, ah, you know, and she freaks out and the kid's watching to me, yep. oh, I should be afraid of spiders. You know, yes. I'm, now I'm afraid of spiders. <laughs> right. Yes. Exactly. Mimicry. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So, so those, you know, those kinds of cues and there are obvious ones, right? The, the heart palpitations, the adrenal, the feeling of adrenaline, the, the desire to get away, you know, the desire to approach in an aggressive way. Those are all signs of fear. Of course, there are more subtle ones, right? Of course. Mm -hmm. And we have to learn those are though the subtle ones tend to be a lot more personal to us. Yeah. You know, I scratch my eye. I, I start, I start playing something in my hands, you know, I start, uh, I start going monotone. That's a common one. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel threatened. So I start answering like, yeah, uh-huh. Sure. Yep. Okay. <laughs> right. Yeah. Those are all signs I'm afraid. Mm. When I, when I think about, cause the word vulnerability is to me is kind of the, the whole heart of this conversation in a way, because um, I used to be very fearful. I, I mean, I'm still you know, fearful of certain things, but I feel I, it, it's just my experience that awakening and becoming increasing my awareness of truth and kind of digging deep and breaking those layers that 
were illusions and are really not true at all that kept me away from my authentic self and then reconnecting with my authentic self and being able to become curious when I feel uncomfortable and then being okay when I know that I'm maybe putting myself out there and I'm okay with the vulnerability because I'm coming from a place that used to be fear that is now truth and service to share my real self now with other people and not the person who's, whose life was small and based and run by the fear. So vulnerability, can we speak to vulnerability? Because that's, that, to me, that's a sign of strength when you're vulnerable. It's a sign of, of healing when you become okay with putting yourself out there. Without vulnerability, there is no creativity. Exactly. Yep. So you're going to have to be willing to jump on that train, but vulnerability is a huge issue. And really, it's a, we should just have a whole nother conversation about that with you sometime, because that's yeah. a whole hour's talk in and of itself. Yeah. But again, you're going to deal with things like, well, how much safety do you need in order to allow yourself to be vulnerable? Mm. And what are the co-regulators there that, that gets back to your ANS again, your autonomic nervous system? Like, I, I'm just using you as an example, Sherry, I don't know if this is true or not. So um, let's say you've right now, you feel like, oh, I can be vulnerable and I can be open and I can be all these things, right? Mm -hmm. But let's say that's because you feel very loved and safe and secure in the relationship with your husband. Right. Well, let's say tomorrow he died. Mm. Six months later, I see you. I say, Sherry, be vulnerable, be open, be and you go, I can't be anymore. Because mm -hmm. my co-regulator is no longer present. So now I feel very threatened. I feel very insecure. I feel. And so those are con and I am only bringing that up, Sherry. I'm just picking on you, but that can be a, a thousand different things in our environment. That could be, you know, I don't have the house I used to have. That house made me feel safe. You know, it was all paid off. It was da, 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 da. And then we took a financial risk and it turned out bad and I lost my house. Mm. Now I feel insecure. And so now I pull back. I no longer am willing to allow myself to be vulnerable. I've pulled back all my creativity in life. I've mm -hmm. become very stagnant. I've lost the eroticism. I've lost the sense of adventure. I'm no longer willing to take risk. That led to my relationship with my husband falling apart. I got divorced. All right. things snowballs downward. Right, right. So you have to be aware of what's co-regulating you, what your safety mechanisms are. Mm. You got to be careful. So maybe we should go back to the vagus nerve <laughs> because that's really... It does. <laughs> the stimulation of the vagus nerve really is the ticket, right, to healing deep inside. So no matter what is happening on the outside, you have healed those experiences. Is, is that fair to say, or am I overreaching? Uh, 
Well, one one other thing you need to stick in on all of that is when you're talking about curiosity, and then Victor's gonna Victor should speak to the Vega Sound because that's his expertise. I, I just want to say this. When we were talking about curiosity and why some people are willing or not willing, there's because if you're curious about your behavior, why did I get fearful when I walked into the room last night? Let's say you're sitting with your a counselor or a friend who can talk to you that way. And they give you and they say, well, da, da, da. And you go, blah, blah. and you do some compassionate inquiry. And sure enough, there's the answer. But that now requires you to change. Don't say that word. Don't say that word. <laughs> I didn't say it, did I? <laughs> All right. What's the word that's supposed to go in there? <laughs> change, baby. Change. You're going to have to change now. You have made yourself aware mm. of something. And now you have to change. And now I will shut up and let Victor take over. Well, because You know, I just want to say. The big, that's the yeah, elephant in the room. Totally. And so I just want to say, I say this all the time. You can live in denial. You can, <laughs> you can turn your back on it. Because if you decide to name it and, uh, you know, acknowledge it, now what? Now you've got to do something about it. Now you have to change. Right? <laughs> That's responsible. <laughs> so now Victor's going to take it away because I mean, what's, <laughs> what's happening here? Um, in, in my own mind, I call those people and, you know, please forgive me. It's a little bit crude, mm. but I, I call those people awareness junkies. Okay. Awareness solves everything. You know, as mm. long as I can become aware, it's all good. Like yeah. I, you know, I'm, I'm drinking nine cups of coffee a day, but I'm aware of it, you know, <laughs> so it's okay. like, yeah, as someone, as someone who sits in a clinic every day, that's like nails on the chalkboard to me. Yeah, sure. Like, oh, that's an interesting defense mechanism. We're going to need to get into. Well, it's uh, like you're, 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 you're aware, but now you're jumping off the train. Okay. Exactly. That's, you got to get back on the train. We're not done yet. Yeah. You're aware, yeah. but what are you going to do about it? Yeah, yeah. As though awareness is the ultimate goal. It is not, it is step one yeah. hi i'm yeah. joe True that. i'm an alcoholic hey, right yeah, that is but right. I, keep on drinking yeah. <laughs> right because i i know i am no no back on the train you go <laughs> so awareness is vital but it's necessary but not sufficient yep. uh put it that way mm -hmm. so okay so the the vagus nerve is part of the autonomic nervous system. It's part of the parasympathetic branch of the autonomic nervous system. And obviously we don't have time to get into the nitty gritty of it, but it's really important. Um, it, it creates a, it's what transitions us from a state of threat to a state of safety. Mm -hmm. Let's put it that way. Yep. So we need it to be strong. As much as I wish uh, it were the cure to everything, it's not. Um, it, it could be, it seems like it could be right. It seems like, Oh, if I could just make my vagus nerve strong, then I'll be great. You know, like awesome. Like, but the magic what, pill. Yeah. The, it's a, yeah. it's, it's yeah. not a magic pill. Can I go to the gym and work on my vagus nerve? Yeah. <laughs> well, apparatus for that. <laughs> yeah. The, and then the, now there are machines that you put like diodes on your neck and, you know, it stimulates your vagus nerve all day. And for real? Know, it's like, yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh. And well, here's the thing there is a certain amount of help it can give you, yeah. right? It will create a certain amount of resilience to threat mm -hmm. and the fear completely taking over. 
Yeah. And that's very important physiologically because the vagus nerve keeps our inflammation levels down. It runs a lot of our immune system activity, digestion. Um, I mean, not alone, like forget it, right? You need your vagus nerve to be healthy. You need it to be healthy. Right. However, if it's healthy, that doesn't automatically mean you're free from all uh, incorrect worldviews and uh, threat triggers and the capacity to be traumatized and all that stuff. It just, it gives, it's the physiological capacity to stand fearless in the face of fear. That's what the vagus nerve is in this conversation. It mm -hmm. gives you that ability to make a choice to not immediately go into your automated defense response. Mm -hmm. It gives you that moment of choice, a strong vagus nerve. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, it's completely vital. But that's, that's all it's going to give you. You still got to make a choice. Right. And that choice is a mysterious power that, again, we could spend a whole episode talking about, uh, probably three episodes or something. But, mm. but that's what it does. And, and that choice is more than just the vagus nerve. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, you're you're taking you're taking on some big things in this conversation. Uh, well, so that's you know. wonderful. But <laughs> your listeners, we're gonna overwhelm your listeners. <laughs> so many things. We, we need to do many of these so that we can break down each thing for them because each one in, yeah. in itself is. I mean, Brene Brown has spent her entire life, adult life, researching vulnerability. It is a huge topic. Mm. And it is all about the resilience of the vagus nerve, ultimately. So we really need to start there and really teach and inform people what the heck is that vagus nerve thing. And, mm. and then that gets, you know, that gets you back to your guy. And Devin, Borges. And Borges. Stephen Borges. Mm. Stephen Borges yeah. and Dana and all that's being coming out now, all the books that are being written finally. And yeah. So just, I just want to, um, just touch just quickly on when, when you live in a state of hypervigilance, um, what's, what happens in the body that, that causes right, the, the, um, cortisol increases. Yeah. So just quickly, um, what happens and how is there a, just a quick way or just a little tiny guide to starting to tune into the vagus nerve? Is it through yoga? Maybe people could just start with meditation. Pranayama. Okay. Pranayama. So breath work. Okay. Pranayama. Uh, I, I, I've taught yoga for 22 years. Yeah. I would hesitate to tell somebody go meditate because when you meditate, if you truly meditate mm. and you quiet your mind, yeah. the fears may increase. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, it happens. And a lot. So Victor yeah. would be like, why did you tell that person to do that? They ended up in my <laughs> office freaking out having a, you know, an episode. Right. right. You sent them off to be by themselves and they got really quiet and the fears just invaded them. Sure. Sure. Yeah. So, yeah. but if you can control the breath, if you can slow your breath rate down, mm -hmm. get that heart rate down, get those kidneys and the adrenal glands, I mean, to kick off. If we can at least get that far, we can get you down. So you can take that extra breath, as they call it in yoga, take the extra breath, or really what is what Victor said, can you now make a choice versus a reaction? Right. 
if we can get you to do that much, we're heading in the right direction. So and when I we're talking say, about breath work, we're talking about yes, deep, I would say pranayama, breath, breath yeah. work would be the the easiest and first thing I would tell somebody to do. Yeah, and I would I would say that we need to train ourselves. So if we think of the autonomic nervous system in a state of mobilization, is what Doctor Stephen Porges calls it, where we feel threatened, and so we we now immediately want to take some action to restore a state of state of safety in our sure. world, right? right. Mm -hmm. So that's going to the general categories are fight, flight, freeze. There's another one. We're not going to get into it, but um, so we're completely geared towards restoring that sense of safety. But if the threat's not actually a threat, then we're going through this whole rigmarole for nothing. So, and most of the time in our modern world, especially most of the time, the threat is not really a threat. It's not a life threat at least. Right. 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 And that's really what the autonomic nervous system is trained to protect against is a life threat, not just, oh, you know, someone said something mean to me today. So now I need to completely go into a freak out. Right. 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 The reason we go into that freak out a lot of the times is we, over the over time, we've worked up a projection into the future of what's going to happen. Right. And I'd say 99.99% of the time, we're completely wrong, mm -hmm. <laughs> especially from a state of fear. Predicting the future from a state of fear is a really bad idea. Yep. yep. So if we could learn this one thing, do not predict the future while stressed or afraid, stay present. Big one. That can go a really long ways because your mind will automatically start. It's going to start. It's going to say, and I'm going to lose my house and I'm going to lose my kid and I'm going to lose my spouse and I'm going to lose my car and my friends are going to hate me and I'm going to get sick and then I'm going to die and everyone's going to hate me and they're going to hate me and I'm going to be alone and everyone's going to hate me. That's <laughs> projecting into the future, right? And that's very what it's bleak. Like. It's very bleak. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's not true. It's not right. true. Yeah. Right. Right. So we got to avoid doing that. And it's all because you just had a little food particle between <laughs> and you smiled. Well, I just, love that. I just talked to a client earlier. <laughs> oh, I just talked to a client earlier and this is unfortunately, this is very sad. It, it's very common, right? Mm -hmm. I just talked to a client earlier. She genuinely believes and she's aware of her belief, right? So she's right. only in the awareness step. She hasn't confronted her autonomic nervous system yet. Mm. She really believes that if she gains a few pounds, she will be alone and no one will love her and they will hate her. Hmm. She really, her, her autonomic nervous system actually really truly believes that is reality. Hmm. And it's very sad. Yeah. And that's just one, that's it. one example. So right. all, all the people, all these people everywhere are believing something right. horrible that is right. not true. It's not true. Right. Mm. Now, maybe one person might. Right. Okay. So th that does not mean that the whole world is a threatening evil place bent on your destruction. Right. But that's how we act, or at least that's it. And so when we confront our own autonomic nervous system, that confrontation is, you know, it's the, the metaphor is used is you got to face your demons. The right. demon isn't your autonomic nervous system. The demon is the story that's being spun out of that fear that your autonomic nervous system is generating. Bingo. That's yeah. it.
Yeah. And that demon needs to be vanquished violently. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> the knight must de defeat the dragon. Yeah. The not real meaning of that, not go out and be machismo and, you know, so, shining. so yeah. I know we're almost out of time. I just want, so that is, that was just like the golden ticket of the whole entire conversation. That was it right there. So what, what do, how do, how do you, I mean, we're talking about starting with breath work. Yeah, definitely. And then I guess I'll have to have you come back because it's kind of like, I'm on the cliff here. I want to know, you know, um, this woman, this, this client that you're the patient that you're talking about, is this something she has to discover for herself or, you know, someone might have to guide her to, okay, you start with breath work because you've got to strengthen the vagus nerve because that's where, you know, uh, the practice of pranayama is about 10,000 years old. Sure is. There's a reason yeah. for it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. For it. You know, I, I always say it. I say that when people say they're not interested in yoga, I said, well, you know what, if you want to feel better, right. it hasn't been around for over 5,000 years because it doesn't work. It actually right. works. You know, but so let, let's, I know we're out of time, so I'll, I'll keep my mouth shut after this, but there is, there, there's a grounded explanation for that. Yeah. The breathing is a very physical action. Yeah. obviously, that is special because it's controlled by both the autonomic nervous system and the central nervous system. There's a it's not just random talky talk over the years about what works. Mm -hmm. it's, it's the discovery that the bridge between the nervous systems is the breath. So why wouldn't you utilize that as a tool? You have no choice. You have to stop breathing and you'll start panicking. Right, right. Guaranteed. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Well, as always, such a good time and so much information. <laughs> too much. Too, too much. much yeah. You know what though? Yeah. It's it's a big topic. It's a big subject. And big um topic. and we will we'll talk again. And um we will. I always appreciate and enjoy my time you with you guys out our offer there can we offer our our, uh, our offerings offer our offerings i would love for you to offer your offerings yeah okay so we like to offer two offerings mm. um joe will do your yogic numerology mm. and it's completely a gift and we always like to promise we will not upsell you so <laughs> So your your everyone's autonomic nervous systems can Come calm down. This is not Everybody, a trap. Yep, take it down. Um, <laughs> this is not a trick. You do not need to be suspicious of our uh, intentions. Um, but I do need your birth yeah. information. I need your right. So. Need needs birthday. Yep. Birth, birth month and birth year. So your birth information. Not your time. Not your time. Or you, place. Or place. You can email that to reception at iiayurveda.com. iiayurveda.com is International Institute of Ayurveda. And Joe, and Joe will do numerology. And he did if, mine and he was spot on. Yeah, so interesting. It really is. Um, and if you want to have a short Jodish reading, which is Vedic astrology done, where we'll go over some of the you know, some of the stuff we talked about in today's talk from your charts perspective. Um, I'm happy to do that. 
just also include with your birth details, your birthplace and birth time. Excellent. Same email. Same email. Yeah. uh, Reception at iiayurveda.com. Yeah. That's how we met, right, Sherry? That is how we met. Oh God, Both seems like so long ago, doesn't it? Doesn't it seem like we've known each other 10 years? It, it really, really does. And it's, weird, it, it's it? been, a, not, it's not very long, but it does. It feels, oh. it feels like Gosh, we've been yeah. friends forever. Yeah, I know. That's why I was like, is that how I met her? Did I already know her? Like, wow. Yeah. Okay. Man, and, I feel like I've known you forever. Yeah. And, and when you do numerology readings or Jyotish readings, which is so cool too, it's like you have a conversation. You kind of get to know the person, and like I do tarot readings. Yes, yeah, right? right, right. And so you kind of, you know, you break the that little bit of wall there, and you kind of, you know, get a little closer. I yeah. feel like in, in, on a, I don't know, like yeah. a spiritual plane or something. That's I. After Christmas, do my tarot again for me, will you? Okay, yeah, I'd be happy. All, to. This, all this new stuff coming up in my life, right? All that new moving and uh, to Italy and. Yeah, exciting so, stuff. And I could use a quickie hit from. Yeah, abs- absolutely. Yeah, right. I'd, be, I'd be happy to. All and right. I just want to mention, if I could, that sure. I'm excited because I'm going to start school um, at the International Institute of Ayurveda, uh, where Victor and Joe are the co founders. And I'm super excited about starting school in January and embarking on diving even deeper into this beautiful, this beautiful practice of Ayurveda. And I can't wait. I'm just really excited. And if anybody is interested in a career in Ayurveda, um, it's really, I think it's really going to be something great. So if you're interested in that as well, um, it's the same, it's the same email. So reception at iiayurveda.com. We're here. They are wonderful, here. and I just love them both very much. So I'm excited about it. We love so I, you, Sherry. We love you. Thank you. So I guess this is where we have to part. Until Briefly. next time. Until <laughs> until next time. I think we, I, I think you and I exchange emails at least two or three times a week. So <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, we we're pen pals. <laughs> we're pen pals, right? So. <laughs> So I thank you very much. And uh, we will be in touch with one another very soon. Yeah. All right, Sherry. Thank you. Ciao. Namaste. Ciao. 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 I hope you enjoyed the conversation today. If you would like to experience healing or give the gift of healing to another, please go to my website, www.hamsaholistichealingandayurveda.com or email me at sherry at hamsaholistichealing.com. Or you can contact me on Facebook, Sherry Berjanski. I offer Ayurveda consultations, Reiki energy healings, reflexology and Ayurveda foot massage, tarot card readings, angel card readings, and much more. If you found this podcast helpful, please share an episode so that we can spread this wonderful wisdom of healing. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, take care. Namaste.